0: Let me introduce you to your next favorite true crime podcast, Crime Salad.
1: Ashley and Ricky, a husband and wife team, go beyond telling crime stories. They dive into the darkest corners of human nature with the ultimate goal of preventing future tragedies. Together, they shine a relentless spotlight on critical issues like relationship violence and domestic abuse, inviting you to explore the complexities of these societal challenges. Now,
0: let us set the scene for a recent Crime Salad episode, which is titled, The Search for Haley Cummings.
1: The disappearance of a five-year-old girl leaves the Florida community in disbelief. In the early morning hours of the night, an open back door remained eerily left open where Haley was staying. A wave of dread swept through the community and the family as the unimaginable happened. Was this the work of a kidnapper, or did the little girl wander off? The search for Haley brought a community together in the darkest of times.
0: Since 2019, Ashley and Ricky, the Crime Salad duo, have continued to deliver stories that are not only fascinating and well-researched, but also have a strong voice for change and justice. So grab your headphones and prepare to be pulled into a world where mystery meets humanity. Make sure to tune in to Crime Salad wherever you find your podcasts and join a growing community of listeners who tune in every week. And now back to your regularly scheduled
2: haunting. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
0: Let's Get haunted! Haunted with your host, Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 71. You guys, guess what we're doing right now? We're recording a little bit in advance. It's unheard of. And we're in that same studio from episode 69. We came back. Episode 69, which went live on 420
1: and really couldn't have asked for anything more magical in the year 2021. And the reason we're doing this is because we're trying to stack up episodes so that once I have my baby, like we'll have like unlimited content for you guys. You guys won't even know anything happened.
0: Right. And Natalia keeps telling me that she doesn't need time off. (laughs) And as I said to her, and I will say again, if I had just given birth to a child and then someone was forcing me to like research a story about the Loch Ness monster, (laughs) I think I would fight.
1: <laughs> I like. I think this is just me being naive, but I really don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, I hope. I'm praying for you. I'm just strap that baby to my back and like go to the club. You know, <laughs> nothing's going to change for me. I don't know about all these other people who are saying everything's changed, but right, I refuse.
0: Well, I think that that's the right attitude to have. I don't think you can really go into a baby with. You know negativity, so I think this is perfect. Yeah, maybe that's the difference. Maybe everyone else that has a baby is just freaking out before it happens, right? And you're so chill right now that everything's gonna be fine. Well,
1: maybe everyone else had more to lose, like they have this (laughs) like like career and like this great life where they're like everything's gonna change, right? Right. But for me, I really didn't have anything to lose. Right. It's only
0: you know started from the bottom. Now there's beer, so you know nowhere to go but up. (laughs) I had a dream last night. That I tweeted, crack is the new cocaine, and then we got canceled. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. That's the thing, I have no idea. It could mean anything. It could be I it could, I could see I'm not someone... even sure what what I would have meant by that. But I uh, apparently I tweeted crack is the new cocaine thinking it was a funny joke and yeah. then we all just like our show just got canceled.
1: I kind of get it though. Like crack is the new cocaine, right?
0: Maybe. Or is cocaine the new crack? I don't no. know.
1: Cocaine I feel like is like when there's like 15 year olds doing it, it's like not the new crack. You yeah. Know?
0: Well, you guys, what do you think? <laughs> um subcon my subconscious was trying to tell me by that. I don't know. I don't know either.
1: I think your I think your subconscious was telling you that lately your tweets have been really good. Alyssa has been running the majority of the Let's Get Haunted like uh, Twitter, and they've been so funny. I log in all the time, and I'm like, oh my god, this is great. So oh, thank you. I think you're just really getting in tune with the Twitter with sphere. the internet.
0: That you could know. be it. That could be it. Well, guys, we also want to shout out our donors for this episode. Natalia, do you want to go? first because I don't have my donors pulled up.
1: Okay, I will go first. <laughs> I would like to thank Jillian M, Garrett B, and Lewis W. Thank you Ooh. guys for donating. Really appreciate that.
0: And I would like to thank Omar Martinez, Chrissy D, Haley A, Brie, and Alyssa Thank you guys so much. Your donations keep this show going. You can donate to us by Venmoing at Dog Mom USA at NatStron, or you can go to letsgethaunted.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, there is a giant button that says donate, and that will take you to our Ko-fi page where you can sign up for recurring donations Mm -hmm. or make a one-time donation. It's really up to you. It's a choose-your-own-adventure.
1: Right now, it would really help me out if you guys just bought (laughs) some of these pins and phone holders on the website. And here's why. I have to go to the post office to deliver these, whether or not like 100 people buy it or like three people buy it. Right. So make it worth my time, guys. (laughs) That's all I have to say.
0: (laughs) And thank you so much to everyone who has been purchasing our merch, also up on the Let's Get Haunted website. Yeah. Well, Natalia, in the interest of recording this episode in advance. Yes. Do you want to just jump into my story
1: today? Yeah, I don't have we don't have a choice. We only have this place booked for 2 hours, so let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Natalia. You know what we've never done before on this show?
1: Had sex live.
0: Well, Yes, correct. However, I'm not. That's not going to change, unless someone makes a very large donation. Something else we've never done on this show is I don't think we've ever talked about a haunting in Wisconsin. What? What do you know about Wisconsin?
1: Nothing. Like, what do you mean? Wait, not a single thing. Yeah. Okay. I actually know. Yeah. Okay. Cheese. There's cheese. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. That's basically it. My actually my fiance my uh, fiance's mom, which is who my my mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. My mother-in-law is from Wisconsin, and she's the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. She was
0: very nice. You guys, uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how Natalia had a baby shower. But what we didn't tell you is the day before (laughs) the baby shower, there were three of us trying to assemble this, like, pop-up candy cart thing and we could not do it right. and Natalia's mother-in-law made us some food and then Natalia's father-in-law put together what we could not do yeah. um, between
1: three girls. Very nice. From Wisconsin. Nicest person I've ever met. So that's what I know about Wisconsin.
0: Okay. I think that's all you need to know about Wisconsin. They've got cheese. They've got nice people. So have you ever heard of a city within Wisconsin called Lake Geneva?
1: Uh, isn't that like in France? Could be. Mm.
0: But that's but that's not in Wisconsin. So it's the wrong one. But I like the energy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have heard of Lake Geneva, but I'm pretty sure it's in France. There's like fancy chocolate or something there. I could be getting this wrong.
0: Well, our French listeners are going to have to weigh in and let us know. But I am speaking of Lake Geneva in Wisconsin, which is a resort city situated in the southeastern portion of the state on a beautiful lake called Geneva Lake. So it's kind of confusing. The city is called Lake Geneva. The lake is called Geneva Lake. Mm. Okay. The city is occupied by just under 8,000 citizens, and as a resort city, there are obviously a lot of nice lakeside homes, some of which are actually opulent mansions built by wealthy Chicagoans during the Gilded Age. Mm. Natalia, have you ever heard of the Gilded Age? Uh, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, shit.
1: Okay. <laughs> it was an age where everything was uh, glittering and golden and gilded and there's lots of money, and yeah. maybe was it during the uh, like bootlegger times where everyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: the prohibition okay. was for sure happening around that time. Yeah. So the Gilded Age was an era of about 30 or so years that occurred during the late 19th century in the United States, beginning in the 1870s and lasting till about 1900. And the Gilded Age was an era of rapid economic growth, especially in the northern portion of the United States. And basically what happened is American wages surpassed those in Europe. So there were a ton of European immigrants coming to the U.S. in search of a better life and hoping to get some of those good wages that really weren't happening in their home countries at the time.
1: American dream.
0: Exactly. Quintessential American dream. So the rapid expansion of industrialization led to a real wage growth of 60% between 1860 in 1890, and this was spread across all jobs you can think of. So prior to this time, there really weren't too many women and children in the workforce, but because of this super rapid expansion in the labor force, um, there were men, women, children, and they were all getting paid better than they ever had. So just to give you an idea, in 1880, an average wage was like $380, and just 10 years later in 1890, that amount had grown to $564. so wow. super rapid growth. However, as with anything good, the Gilded Age was also an era of abject poverty and inequality. And you can imagine why. I mean, there's these millions of immigrants coming from impoverished regions. Mm-hmm. They pour into the US. And this high concentration of wealth then becomes more visible and more contentious, because you it's very clear the line between the haves and the have-nots. Right. And this was also a period of rampant political corruption, as big businesses lobbied government officials to ensure deregulation businesses. And bribery was actually so common during this time that New York even legalized it.
1: Legalized bribery? Yes. Well, then it kind of takes away the fun of it. Right. It? I know it.
0: Half the fun is that you're doing something illegal. So this era, as you can imagine, was also marked by con men, swindlers and some of the very first pyramid schemes in American history.
1: Oh, that's really exciting. I
0: know. I have so many friends involved in pyramid schemes right now that <laughs> don't know it. And you guys, this all originated from the Gilded Age. <laughs> so you're participating in a centuries long tradition by selling your air bond products. OK, <laughs> so basically Lake Geneva is only around um, 80 miles from Chicago, which is a Little less than an hour and a half drive. So, back during this Gilded Age, tons of wealthy people living in Chicago, including several oil barons, Mm. decided that they were going to build these gorgeous, opulent summer homes in Lake Geneva because it was close by, but they wouldn't have to look at all the poor people in Chicago. And this, (laughs) that's what it was. And especially after the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, where like most of Chicago burned down. So then all the rich people were like, well, okay, do we really want to see this abject poverty in the streets, making us feel bad. Um, We're too big of pieces of shit to like want to make our own city better. So let's take our money to this resort town, build up this resort town, um, and everyone else can kind of
1: fend for themselves. Can't blame them. If someone wanted to trade me that life, I would be like, sure. Yeah, that's the thing. It's very (laughs)
0: easy to criticize it. But Natalia and I would probably do most things. Oh,
1: I I would Freaky Friday switch lives with that person instantly.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so to recap real quick period from 1870 to 1900, influx of European immigrants to the United States, Wages are soaring. Industrialization. While this is good for the U.S. market, it also attracts lots of vulnerable people who are hoping to achieve the American dream. Thus, in a tale as old as time, you have poor immigrant families just struggling to survive living in the same city as wealthy oil barons and unscrupulous businessmen. And there's corruption. There's organized crime. There's bribery. There's scammers. There's schemers. Mm -hmm. And as the rich got richer, the wealth gap became much more obvious. And then this fire happens, kills 300 people in Chicago, burns Mm -hmm. down most of chicago and so all of the wealthy people take their money and move to lake geneva got it and so when you look at lake geneva today you actually see tons and tons of tons of these gorgeous like mansion estates Mm -hmm. just in the middle of wisconsin and it's almost like why like what is the reason it's so out of place but that's why that's the reason Cool. So one of these mansions was owned by prominent Chicago surgeon and real estate mogul, Dr. Philip Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And constructed in 1856, the mansion offered some of the best architecture of the time with tall windows, broad entrances, elaborate ornamental wood moldings, marble fireplaces and a grand staircase. And regarded as one of Lake Geneva's finest landmarks, the building predates all of the area's notable summer mansions and served as both a summer residence for a line of several prominent Chicago industrialists who entered both political and social dignitaries. So for example, General Grant, mm-hmm. super famous guy in American history, he yeah. stayed at that house. Um, Nancy Reagan, before she mm-hmm. married Ronald Reagan, I guess they actually like met and courted at the Maxwell mansion. Wow. Yeah. So this is like a very big landmark. Unfortunately, the home's original owner would not get to enjoy his magnificent mansion for too long. Just three short years after the mansion's construction was completed, Dr. Maxwell died inexplicably. Mm -hmm. Now converted into a hotel, the Maxwell Mansion, as it is known, has been the site of paranormal activity for over a century. Of
1: course it has.
0: Absolutely. this Just bad vibes all around. Right. Okay, so here are some things that people have reported seeing in the mansion. Disembodied voices, footsteps, circular blue orbs that float through the hallways, and a strange light that can be seen throughout most of the house. And most of the activity seems to come from the speakeasy tavern in the building's basement, which was constructed during the prohibition, like you pointed out. Right. According to an article published to Kenosha News written by Dennis Hines, quote a little boy named Eddie who became ill and died in the mansion is believed to be inhabiting the hotel's attic one employee reported going up to the attic and finding that toys had been rearranged as if someone had been playing with
1: them Um, why are there toys why are there like ancient haunted toys in their attic
0: I don't remember which listener story episode it was but do you remember that one episode where that girl like that her family was just sitting in a house Uh during like Period. There was like a blackout, rolling blackout through her neighborhood. And then all these toys just turned on. Just
1: turned on. Yeah, like animatronic toys. Yes, I do remember that.
0: But it doesn't stop there. Another supernatural being known as the Watcher, not the Watcher we had an episode about with Jamie Kennedy, but a completely separate entity named the Watcher, has been reportedly seen sitting and watching guests who have stayed at the hotel. So people will wake up in their hotel rooms in the middle of the night. And look over into the corner of their hotel hotel room, and there's just a dude sitting there watching them. And then they flip the lights on, and he's gone.
1: Really? Yes. What what would you do if that happened to you?
0: Cry. Die immediately.
1: (laughs) (laughs) First of all, fight or flight
0: does not work for me because it's just die. Immediate heart attack.
1: I think I would just close my eyes, (laughs) and and that's it. Yeah. If I can't see it, it's not real. Right.
0: Inside the hotel's speakeasy tavern, employees reported seeing hanging mugs fly off the walls. A bartender also once found a cash register that kept ringing up one order. Always a Bloody Mary. Oh. So this bartender talks about what he saw and he came in for his shift and he was like cleaning up around the bar, getting ready to open up. And the cash register just starts ding, (gasps) ding, 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 like the tray popping out as if someone's putting in cash. And then when he goes and pulls off the receipt, it's ringing up a Bloody Mary over and over and over again. And other strange sightings and experiences have included people reporting hearing cries for help coming from the lobby and then finding nobody in the lobby when they run down there to call 911.
1: Oh, my God. That's so creepy.
0: And another home nearby the Maxwell Mansion is known as Grimley Manor. And Grimley, oh, that's haunted yeah, sure. Yeah. First of all, that name is very haunted. And Grimley Manor is a Gothic-style Victorian house that was built in 1893, and the descendants of the original builder still live within the estate today. And local rumors in the area state that the original owner, whose name was Lord Grimley, buried the bodies of several women and men underneath his cellar before moving them to a different location at an unknown date.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Say that again?
0: Okay, so there's this house called Grimley Manor. And I guess the local rumor around Lake Geneva is that the original owner of this house in the 1800s had used to have like parties in his house, yeah. And I guess he—I don't know if he murdered these people or if they just happened to die while he was having a party, but he buried them in his basement, and then and then years—well, of (laughs) course—and then years later he dug them up and took them out into the woods. Oh, that. But that's just a rumor; it's not proven. And at
1: dusk I need to process that for a while but you can keep
0: going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and at dusk a strange glowing blue light can be seen from the attic. Unfortunately, we don't know much more about the history of this house other than these whisperings of locals over the years since the house is still a private residence to this day. But Lake Geneva isn't only famous for its creepy lakeside mansions. In the 1880s, right in the middle of the Gilded Age, Lake Geneva also saw an influx of sanitariums being built within its boundaries. Natalia, do you want to explain what a sanitarium is to yeah, any of our listeners? Yeah, it's
1: an insane asylum, right? Absolutely. And the reason I use that terminology is because that is like that's yes, that's offensive, but that is but that's what, what they used to be called. They were called, yeah. Yeah.
0: So basically, there was this psychiatrist named Oscar Augustus King. He was born in Indiana. He studied medicine in Austria, and then he returned to the United States. Married his wife in Wisconsin, and they started making their home in Wisconsin. And he wanted to open up a state-of-the-art sanitarium or whatever you want to call it. And so what he did is he went to the Wisconsin legislature and he lobbied to pass the first bills regulating mental health treatment. Oh, that's great. Right. Sounds great. These bills created an environment in Wisconsin that made it easier and safer to open sanitariums, which in turn led to Wisconsin becoming the mental health capital of America in the 1800s.
1: Wow! Yeah, it's big like deal. You're depressed. Go to the middle of Wisconsin. That's yeah. gonna make it better. Go to this <laughs> haunted area
0: with all of these crazy mansions, and you will no longer be depressed. <laughs> so, in 1885, King opened the Oakwood Sanitarium, which offered the most cutting edge treatments for nervous disorders at the time. And a lot of the time, when we've talked about sanitariums on this show, we are talking about like a dirty, understaffed, dilapidated state-run facility, right? right? Where
1: Goube exactly. is found
0: exactly. So, yeah. if you guys remember our haunted Ohio University episode, we talked at great length about a sanitarium that should have been shut down about 200 years before it actually was. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not the case with Oakwood. Oakwood was a private facility and incredibly expensive to attend. And according to one source I read, you had to pay around $1,500 a month to attend Oakwood, which is actually more expensive than most one-bedroom apartments in Wisconsin today. So picture a place where wealthy people would send their mentally ill or drug-addicted family members that they just didn't want to deal with. And many of the patients suffered from things like morphine addiction, alcoholism, schizophrenia, mania, depression, syphilis, epilepsy, and of course, our favorite, the female illness known as hysteria. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, isn't that where just women couldn't have an orgasm?
0: Yeah, it was basically like their husbands weren't fucking them right. So then the husband was like, she has hysteria. Send her can't... to this sanitarium and like but give her a vibrator. be
1: right either though because there's plenty of people who are abstinent or just going through a dry spell who don't like go crazy because they're not getting oh, fucked. Oh,
0: yeah, of course. But I think it was more like <laughs> the husbands or the family was upset that this right. person was being difficult or a bitch.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: or like we talked about before to postpartum depression at the time was classified as hysteria.
1: Right. And the cure is like having an orgasm. Yes, correct.
0: Okay. So among the treatments the facility offered there was something called hydrotherapy which sounds like very bougie but what it actually was is Naked patients would get wrapped in skin-tight towels like a cocoon Mm. so that they couldn't move their arms or legs. And then the orderlies would submerge these patients in an ice water bath (laughs) for days at a time, only allowed to be released from the ice bath if they needed to use the bathroom.
1: Okay. So (laughs) that's supposed to make you better? Correct. Right. They're just like, okay, if we torture this person enough, they'll Mm -hmm. just stop acting out.
0: Right. If we kill this person, then we've cured them. (laughs) So as King's Oakwood Sanitarium grew in popularity, he began to open more sanitariums nearby with names like Redwood Cottage and Lakeside Cottage. And King's success drew other mental health professionals to the area and several competing sanitariums funded and built by other notable psychiatrists of the time cropped up in Lake Geneva. So I want you to just picture this beautiful resort town, lake, not less than 3000 people today. So I can only imagine what it was like in the 1800s, far less people. And there's basically just these gorgeous, like great, great Gatsby mansions on the lakeside. And then there's also these insane asylums dotting the surrounding area near the woods.
1: Yeah, I mean... That's so scary. Very strange.
0: Very strange place. And when the Great Depression hit in 1929, there was obviously no longer a market for fancy sanitariums, and all of these buildings were eventually abandoned. Mm. While some were torn down or repurposed into hotels or restaurants, King's Oakwood Sanitarium sat empty for many years. Over time, it suffered from two unexplained fires and fell into further disrepair. Children living in the Lake Geneva area would dare each other to enter, and ghost sightings abounded. Mm. One ghost that was sighted frequently was described as a man, dressed beautifully in the finest fashion of the late 1880s, a striped sport coat with one flap pushed back to the side, revealing the long gold chain of a pocket watch. At first, the man appeared to be of flesh and blood walking down the hallway. But as children exploring the abandoned sanitarium got closer, they saw his toes dragging an inch or so above the ground. His right arm lay limp at his side, the sleeve rolled just above the elbow to reveal a dangling hypodermic needle full of morphine, still stuck into a throbbing and bleeding vein. Open sores in the man's forehead revealed his rotting brain seeping through a cracked and decaying skull, meaning that the ghost was most likely a victim of tertiary syphilis before his untimely death. Ew. What? Natalia's face was very <laughs> disgusted with well, me. Well,
1: there was just so many emotions. At first, I, I don't know. I, my ADD is really bad, guys, because I stopped taking my medication when I found out I was pregnant because I just didn't want to take any risks. So Alyssa's telling me about this guy, and I was just like... I should have a pocket watch. And I was like, <laughs> really thinking about it. And then, and then, uh, I, then I started to hear the rest of it. And then I was like, wait, I don't want this needle. No, what's this happening with his brain? And it was, it's just, th- I'm very enthralled with this story. There's lovely details. It's very, Thank you. um, imaginative. What do you call it when someone's describing something and you can just picture it really well?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Your ADD is bad. <laughs> I have an autoimmune disease. My brain doesn't work so good anymore. I don't know. We're doing <laughs> We're doing our best, you guys. Okay. So while we don't know who this man was while living and we don't have a name or photograph, the appearance of the ghost describes early treatment methods of syphilis prior to the invention of penicillin. So before pen- like penicillin, as we now know, is kind of like a cure-all right. or at least for a time it was. Now it's pretty rarely used, but it it cured a lot of diseases that back in the day people just had to fucking deal with. Yeah. So one of those would have been syphilis. Right. And as syphilis advances, it starts out as an STD, but as it advances in the body, it can actually eat through your brain. Your brain. Yeah, I've it heard can that eat before. through your skull, eats through your skin. And one of the ways that people were treated for this illness when it got to these advanced stages mm-hmm. is they would put them in and insane asylums and then give them morphine.
1: Just to to dump numb the pain right to though numb they're the pain still gonna get this right. like brain eating disease exactly yeah. and I
0: did find actually a couple of accounts of people who survived syphilis in the 1800s I don't know how like
1: right, by like some magic body just passed it
0: right but most people once it gets to that extreme stage there's kind of no coming back from that and so I mm. wanted to show you a picture of what that looks like and this is a living person so don't get mad at me this okay. Natalia doesn't like when I show her dead bodies <laughs> No, I love
1: looking at dead bodies <laughs> Alyssa doesn't like when when I bring up the fact that she likes showing dead bodies. I do
0: not. <laughs> that is slander, and I will sue you in court. Okay. So I just, I want you to describe what you're seeing to the folks at home. Oh, my God. That's real? That's no, real. Yep, that's, that's real. Not,
1: that's not like a, a fake, scare you at Disneyland Nope.
0: Painting. That is a real woman in the 1800s suffering from
1: tertiary syphilis. Holy shit. Okay, so this is a woman... Um, And literally there's a giant hole in the front of her head and it looks like parts of, I don't, it's like a perfect circle almost. So I don't know if they tried to remove part of her skull or something, but then on like in this indent, which looks like a meteor crater in the center of her forehead is what looks just like, yeah, like decaying. Skin or something, but the the most concerning thing about this is that this woman is like super conscious. She's just yeah. looking wide eyed, straight ahead, just getting her photo taken like like anyone else. But there's yeah in the front of her forehead there's a hole. It's got to be like at least four inches in diameter.
0: It's pretty crazy. And like you said, she's dressed up like getting her picture taken. So she's in her Sunday best right? sitting there in front of the camera. And it used to take a long time for a picture to be taken. Can you imagine just
1: seeing things like that regularly? No. You know, you're walking down the street <clears throat> no. and it's just totally normalized.
0: No. No, I <laughs> cannot imagine. I would not have done well in the 1800s. So picture the ghost of this man with this giant oh. hole in his skull yeah. just Dragging a couple inches above the ground in the sanitarium. And something interesting about Oakwood Sanitarium is that it's actually the site where Dungeons and Dragons was invented. What? Like the, the board the game? game? Yes. So How? The, the guy who invented it, I guess, used to go to Lake Geneva and walk through the halls of the sanitarium and he had a very active imagination and he would imagine all these ghosts and all of these like dragons and demons right. and things. And I mean, it is. Allegedly, a very haunted location. So, he may have actually even seen some of those things from what I was reading. And then his time as a child wandering those halls of Oakwood Sanitarium, he credited with his
1: invention of Dungeons and Dragons. So, you're telling me Dungeons and Dragons is haunted? Yes. Like haunted origins. I'm honestly not surprised at all. (laughs) Not at all.
0: Okay, but the ghost of this man is not the only spectral tale to come from Oakwood Sanitarium. Late at night, locals report hearing disembodied voices pounding footsteps and tortured screams echoing from the building eventually oakwood sanitarium was torn down in 1959 and an apartment building called havenwood apartments was built in its place but the hauntings purportedly still carry on today it's mm-hmm. just instead of being inside of a sanitarium now it's in the apartment yeah complex. havenwood is haunted
1: wow do they see that guy with the The pocket watch and stuff there.
0: I couldn't find any accounts of people seeing that guy since Havenwood Apartments was built. That story comes from when it was still the sanitarium. But I wonder. I don't know. I tried to find. I was looking online trying to find people who live in this apartment building so I could ask them. But I couldn't find anyone. I'm sure we have
1: some listeners that are from like Geneva or know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You guys let us know if you like comment on whatever social media (laughs) you're on right now and let us know. If you have a story from the um, haunted apartment complex.
0: And if you want them read off on our show, just remember we do listener stories every 10 episodes. And you can email us at letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. But the hauntings, Natalia, of Lake Geneva don't stop there. In 1920, during a construction project before the Great Depression hit, a Native American burial ground was accidentally unearthed.
1: No. And
0: sometimes on this show, I feel like Native American burial grounds are kind of a cop-out. Like, oh, you don't know why it's haunted? Well, like, probably there was a genocide on this location. But actually, this is, like, fact. So as they were doing this construction, they end up unearthing this Native American burial ground. And this location was actually considered sacred by the Potawatomi tribe prior to the arrival of white settlers. Buried underneath the soil, the remains of two of the wives of Chief Bigfoot, the leader of Potawatomi, were uncovered. And along with the skeletons of these two women, many priceless artifacts such as beads, pottery, and various adornments were also uncovered. Another sacred area of the, I want to make sure I'm saying it right. Potawatomi, yeah, of the Potawatomi tribe was a large burr oak tree very close to the shore of Geneva Lake. Mm-hmm. And when Chief Bigfoot's son died in a tragic accident at age 14, he wrapped his son's body up in a cocoon shape and buried him under the oak tree mm-hmm. so that his spirit would always be able to look over the waters. Right. After the Potawatomi were pushed off of their land in 1833, white settlers began erecting homes and businesses like we discussed, the Gilded Age. Yes, In 1865, a settler named Mr. C.B. Hollister was living in the area when a harsh winter storm struck. On the verge of freezing to death, Hollister trudged out through the snow with his axe and cut down the sacred oak tree for firewood, thus disturbing the burial ground of Bigfoot's son.
1: Okay. I feel like maybe the reason this Lake Geneva is haunted is because it was Indian burial ground. Like if they're uncovering stuff like that in the 20s, that means that it's been there for hundreds of years. Right. Right. Well, and
0: also I don't care if we're talking about a disturbed burial ground in Vietnam like we talked about in Operation Wandering Soul or a disturbed burial ground in uh, Ohio, like yeah. we talked about with Haunted Ohio University, anytime you're disturbing a burial ground of any type of person, it's right. it's bad juju. It's like bad vibes.
1: The only way to get rid of ghosts is, is just everyone gets cremated. Yes. Like automatically, <laughs> yes. no choice.
0: Right. Yeah. That's what I think. And it was then discovered that the body had already been disturbed some years earlier due to looters in the area. So not only mm. was this oak tree chopped down, the sacred oak tree, right. but Then people come in and they say, oh, no, this was the sacred oak tree that you chopped down. Like, we got to see what's going on underneath the oak tree. Are the remains of Chief Bigfoot's son still there? And when they dig down, they realize that looters had actually already been there and they don't know when and like stolen some of these priceless artifacts that Chief Bigfoot's son would have been buried with.
1: That's so rude. I know.
0: And the burial ground of Bigfoot's wives, remember when, like, the construction crew went through? <laughs> so a normal person would have just been like, oh, this is a burial ground. Right. Let's find somewhere else to do construction. They didn't do that. So they actually ended up building a restaurant on top of, yeah. uh, like, this burial ground.
1: A restaurant on top of it? hmm
0: Yep. And then another sacred area of the Potawatomi tribe has since been turned into a country club, and the area where Bigfoot's son was buried is now part of someone's backyard. So due to the disturbances of these important locations, some residents of Lake Geneva claim to have seen the spirits of several native Potawatomi people looking out wistfully over the lake early in the mornings when the fog is still settling across the water. Mm. So, so far, Natalia, we've talked about a couple of different ghosts, some haunted houses. But what about cryptids?
1: What about cryptids?
0: Have you ever heard of the Beast of Bray Road?
1: (laughs) What? The Beast of Bray Road? No.
0: Well, you are in for a treat because the Beast of Bray Road, also known as the Wisconsin Werewolf, is a mythical half-man, half-beast that is said to have first been spotted near Bray Road... In the city of Elkhorn in the late 1930s, which is just outside of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And I I mapped it and it's only about an eight minute drive between these two Mm. locations. And the Beast of Bray Road has been spotted in neighboring towns like Elkhorn, Lake Geneva, Lyons, Milwaukee, all of these different areas people have claimed to see this mythical beast. Standing at around seven feet tall, with brown and gray coarse hair covering its body, the Beast of Bray Road has terrified dozens of witnesses who have crossed its path over the years. Witnesses describe it as a massive creature, weighing somewhere between 400 and 700 pounds, with glowing red or sometimes yellow eyes.
1: 400 and 700 pounds. Between those two ranges, This is yes. a fucking fat fuck cryptid. What are you talking about? This How tall is he? Uh, he is 6
0: to 7 feet. Oh, okay. From most of I the don't know. Sightings. I'm
1: 700 pounds, 7 feet, 100 pounds per foot is still a lot.
0: I also want you to picture though like just a super jacked werewolf man <laughs> who is 7 feet tall and several hundred pounds. Five, let's say 500.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. this is just that's, okay. Okay. All right.
0: While some witnesses have described the beast as more wolf-like, others have described it as being more like a wild man with long, shaggy hair and fangs. The first ever sighting of the Beast of Bray Road came in 1936 when a night watchman named Mark Shackleman was on patrol at St. Coletta Convent, a facility for developmentally delayed adults. Shackleman's duties as a night watchman included patrolling the convent and its graveyard at night. The convent also had several Native American burial mounds on its property. As Shackleman walked through the area where the burial mounds were, he saw something standing on the mound in the distance. Thinking it was a looter, a thief, or some other kind of trespasser, Shackleman shone his flashlight onto the person. But as he got closer, he realized the figure was not a person at all. Rather, it appeared to be a beast, about seven feet tall and weighing around 500 pounds. The beast appeared to be using human-like hands containing shaggy fur and claws to dig into the burial mound. Shackleman then smelled what he described as a, quote, rotting meat smell and got a terrible feeling in his stomach that something was wrong. He turned in a panic and ran from the beast. A few days later, Shackleman was once again on night patrol when he saw the same figure standing in the exact same area on the exact same burial mound. This time, Shackleman shone his flashlight directly on the creature and got a good look at its face. He described the beast as having a face like a wolf, but hands like a human, only with twisted thumbs. As Shackleman and the beast made eye contact, The beast let out a low grunting noise and spoke a single word. Gadara. What? The beast then turned and ran into the woods.
1: What does it mean? Google it. What is it? Okay. So (laughs)
0: Gadara. I was
1: hoping that he was going to shine a light on that and then see that thing and then just shoot it immediately.
0: Right. So Gadara comes from the New Testament of the Bible. And okay. it's basically this story about how Jesus comes across these people who are possessed by demons. Okay. And he basically gives them an exorcism and casts those demons into a group of swine or a group of pigs mm-hmm. and thereby saves those two people from the demons that were but inhabiting what about their the pigs. Well, we don't talk about that, Natalia. <laughs> they probably were eaten later and were very tasty. Oh, okay. That's
1: not better, but okay. <laughs> okay. but what do you think this means in relation to this story? Okay, so hold on. Let me big brain time. Let's see. Yeah, big brain. The There's a werewolf. All right. I'm, you guys, I'm literally closing my eyes. I'm concentrating right mm-hmm. now. I'm like taking all of the other um right, because... senses and blocking them out so that I can just think. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, the ADD, like yeah. she
0: might see me drinking my coffee and yeah, it okay. could be a so distraction.
1: There, what did I just hear? There was a werewolf, a 700 pound, no, 500 pound <laughs> werewolf. And he has twisted thumbs and he says Geneva. Gadara. He says Gadara. And Gadara is a story where Jesus dispels some demons into pigs and saves some people. So is this werewolf Jesus? <laughs> That's
0: what you got from that.
1: I don't understand.
0: <laughs> okay, so some people think that this means that perhaps this could be a demon. That perhaps this is a wolf that has had a demon cast inside of it. So it's sort of human-like and a humanoid creature. And it's digging at this ancient burial ground that holds a lot of religious significance. So people theorize, okay, is it looking for a new host? Is it looking to bring back one of the bodies buried in this burial mound so that it doesn't have to be stuck inside of a wolf anymore? And then it would animate a corpse? Maybe. I don't know. It's much to think about. And although this is the first sighting and one of the most detailed, many other witnesses claim to have seen the beast of Bray Road in the ensuing years. Most of the sightings were reported in the 1980s when several witnesses reported that the creature had made contact with their vehicles, leaving long scratch marks on the door and trunk of their cars. Mm. There is a woman in the 70s who claimed to have seen this beast. She had a horse farm, and she said that she actually that. walked up on the Beast of Bray Road attacking one of her horses. What? It was like eating one of her horses no. while it was alive. What the fuck? Like digging she, into its belly. Did she lay him out? She just ran, like screamed a bunch, and then it ran away, allegedly. <sighs> but she said that it like looked at her, That's and horrifying. she could tell it was not. A, like, it looks it, like a wolf, but it's on its back two legs and has like human like features. That's horrifying. Horrifying. So if
1: I lived in this town, I would just have a huge gun on me all the time.
0: Right, I think a lot of people in this town do because this is like a very rural, like, right. farming town. Yeah. And Bray Road itself is actually like you can't stop on it because Bray Road used to be more rural, but then these two highways got put in mm-hmm. that go through this area and it's just private land all around. And so I was reading online about like people. Amateur cryptid hunters that have tried to find the beast of Bray Road. And the problem is if you pull over on the side of the road, you'll either have a policeman come and tell you to move along because it's so common, or Mm. you'll have one of the people that live on this private land come out and be like, get the fuck off of my property.
1: Maybe they do that because they're trying to hide the secret, which is that there's a werewolf man running around. It
0: could be. And one witness who was driving on Bray Road reported hitting something that was crossing Road, And then she exited her vehicle because she was like, what the fuck did I just hit? Is this like someone's dog? Is this a child? And when she got out of her car, she reported making direct eye contact with a large wolf-like creature with glowing red eyes that snarled at her and then chased her back into her car. And it was running on its back legs. And then it left this giant um, claw mark on her rear passenger door.
1: What does he want?
0: I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it wants to eat these people that it's mm-hmm. coming across or is it is it a cursed demon that's just like pissed and wants a human host to yeah. transfer into? And sightings also have been reported during daytime hours, which is actually really rare. All of the cryptid stories we've talked about, most of the time, it's at night, right? Right. So you could just be like, oh, well, it's dark. The person is, you know, seeing what they want to see or they couldn't really see because of all the... Right. But some of these sightings have happened in broad daylight, with several witnesses stating that they observed an unusually large wolf-like creature running on all fours through cornfields. And one witness stated that they observed the creature in pursuit of a deer, while another witness saw the beast crouching like a human. So like crouching down near the side of the highway, eating roadkill with its bare hands. Oh, my God. So just like, like a human, like yeah. scooping up roadkill into its mouth. And also, interestingly... Animal mutilations have also been reported in the area around Bray Road with animal remains, including deer and livestock, found partially eaten with very specific organs removed, like almost surgically removed from the animal carcasses. What?
1: He's also doing surgery? Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I read this one story. um, I forget the guy's first name. I didn't write it down, but I think it's interesting enough to mention. His last name was Lee. And I guess he lived on one of these properties. And he kept coming across these like raccoon carcasses, possum carcasses. I know we love (laughs) possums on this show. And it would be like a split open carcass missing its entrails. Like, or its entrails would just be scooped out and dumped next to it. And he thought somebody was playing a prank on him. He was like, oh, maybe there's, like, kids running onto my property or, like, a serial killer in the making that's just fucking with me. Right. So he sets up those wildlife cams, which, yeah. yeah, So it's, for anyone who doesn't know, um, sometimes in rural areas... Uh, we put them out on the farm sometimes. There's these trail cams and they run on batteries. They're not mm. like hooked up to the cloud or anything. And it's good if you're in an area with no Wi-Fi and if it's motion detected. Yeah. So if something walks in front of it, it'll take a couple frames. So
1: do they get a picture of this cryptid?
0: OK, this is where it gets weird. So he sets up, he he starts laying out corpses and setting up these trail cams. Yeah. And there are a series of of still frames where in the first still frame, you can see this deer laying on the ground, a dead deer. Yeah. Then there's a still frame where this weird purple mist starts coming over the deer carcass. And then a couple more frames. You can't see anything. It's completely covered in this purple mist. And then when the mist clears, there's just this frame and the deer carcass is gone.
1: He mystified him.
0: He, yes. He, he, <laughs> that was a good pun. <laughs> he, he's very mystifying. Oh, my God. And another witness reported driving down Bray Road late at night and observed an unusually large wolf-like creature eating an animal which had been hit by a car on the side of the road. So this is like a common thing. Right. People just see this humanoid wolf eating eating roadkill. eating roadkill. Yeah. And the creature reportedly ran into the woods because the eyewitness as they're approaching this creature, yeah. they start to slow down because they're like what the fuck am I seeing? Is this right. a is this a wild Person that like has rabies and needs my help immediately. Right. So they're slowing down. And then it just like runs with like the swiftness of a deer, but on only its back legs. And some people report that sometimes it's kind of using its front legs, but not really. And it disappears
1: into the woods. It's on two. It's bipedal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And on January 27th, 2018, a man named Danny Morgan, who lived in the town of Menom. Menomonie Falls snapped a photograph of what he claims to be the beast as he was driving on a rural highway road east of Elkhorn. So I'm going to show you that photo yeah, right now. I want to see it. Okay, let me. Find yeah, it at first you. I was
1: picturing just like a really like obese werewolf, but now I'm starting to think of what if that was just all muscle? Right, because and...
0: muscle weighs more than fat. Right. So a seven hundred—that's what I'm saying. A seven hundred pounds, super jacked. Wolfman,
1: <laughs> what is this that i'm looking at okay this is hold on let me look at this
0: i'm flipping my laptop around so natalia can see these photos if you guys want to see any of the photos that we're going to talk about in today's episode go to at let's get haunted on instagram where we post all of our photo dumps
1: so it's a photo that's taken it's kind of blurry and it's clearly taken at night with like a cell phone or something like that through a windshield and on the right-hand side of the road, there is some something, some sort of animal or something that, and it looks like it's walking on two legs, but it's like really blurry.
0: Right, and the, I guess the like, I mean, it's it's a highway now, so I guess that he would probably be going pretty fast. I think you can even see the speed limit sign in the
1: background. I think it's like forty or something. It does kind of look like it could be a coyote or something like that up on two legs sort of and it's
0: doing these like t-rex arms you know what i mean yeah i don't know it's
1: very weird seems suspect to me very
0: sus (laughs) okay so the most recent documented sighting that i could find comes from an article entitled "Lake geneva resident claims he saw werewolf like creature twice in one month written by journalist mike ramchick who i actually spoke with while researching this episode um, and for his article mike spoke to a witness named ron rice who claimed to have seen the creature while driving between his home in lake geneva mm-hmm. and a town just outside of lake geneva called lions mm. and the article states quote every once in a while rice travels to the town of Lyons for work where he drops off fertilizer at a farm on highway 36 just west of church road it's a Burlington address, and there is a circle gravel driveway where Rice loads up a truck with fertilizer. There are deep woods, according to Rice, about 150 feet away from the driveway. Back in May, Rice was on a routine drop-off in broad daylight sitting in his truck when he looked into the distance, and about 100 or so feet away, he, he says a figure caught his eye. Rice said, quote, this thing was huge. It was over seven feet tall. It was brown and hairy with very coarse hair. It walked out and picked something up from the ground, then turned its back toward me and went back into the woods. Two weeks later, Rice said he saw the beast again and again. It walked out of the woods, picked something up, turned around, and went back into the woods.
1: That is not normal animal behavior. No.
0: Does a coyote stand on its back legs pick shit up with its human hands, and then wander back into a forest? No. Since the first documented sighting of The Beast of Bray Road, there has been a Discovery Channel show looking for it. There's been a show called Legend Hunters that went looking for it. And there was even a horror film made about it in 2005. But the first major publication regarding The Beast came in 2003 when author Linda Godfrey wrote a book entitled The Beast of Bray Road. In her book, Linda interviewed dozens of witnesses from towns surrounding Elkhorn, which is where the very first sighting of the beast was, including Milwaukee and Lake Geneva. Although she started out as somewhat of a skeptic, Linda reported that after hearing all of the sincere firsthand witness accounts, she became a believer. Mm. And as we all know, on this show, we love cryptids. But what do we love more? first hand accounts. Yeah. So, I did some digging and I found a couple of people who claimed to have seen the beast of Bray Road and I interviewed them about what they saw. And I'm going to play the very first interview for you now from a man named Juan Carlos. And I want to hear your thoughts. So,
3: I am a real estate agent here in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. I've been I've been doing it now for a uh, little over 7 years and uh, so you know, I've I've been all over the the area. I literally know the county I would say just as well as as anybody's going to. I, you know, I grew up in the area and played soccer and worked. That's really my whole life, tend to my two cats, but that's about it. You know, and the interesting thing here, Allie, is that so the the beast of Bray Road, you know, he's he's known to be around that Bray Road area, um, which is between somewhere between Elkhorn, Burlington, and Um, you know, like the Lake Geneva area, basically one of those kind of back roads. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for the longest time growing up, you know, as teenagers and stuff, we'd hear about this thing. There was even a movie that was made about it, like back in like the early 2000s, maybe. So we'd go out there, you know, just driving around with friends at night, trying to see if we see something. And for for us, it was always kind of a big joke, you know, like, hey, you know, all all this crazy stuff, talking about, you know, werewolves and in Wallace County and Elkhorn, you know, of all places, which is just like a small town that nobody's ever really heard of. So it was a big joke to us kind of growing up.
0: You used to go around at night with your friends looking for it, and you guys never saw it at night, correct?
3: Never. So this was back in, I was moving from my sister's place, which is in Lake Como, uh, or I should say Como, uh, town of Geneva. And uh, so I was moving from my sister's place over to a smaller town or a, a, another town nearby called Williams Bay, which is, which is close to the lake. And there's, um, there's a main road that goes from, um, from Elkhorn where the, you know, the Beach of Bray Road is probably, it's found that goes mm-hmm. from Elkhorn to Williams Bay. And then from, from that road, you take another one, another road called Palmer that takes you over to the, this little town called Geneva. This was probably sometime in, uh, probably in January, late December, early January. I don't remember the exact date, but it was about four o'clock or so, Um, you know, so it's late afternoon and it's in the winter. So it's like right before it gets dark, but there's still plenty of daylight out. And as I'm going back from dropping things off at the new place and going back to my sister's place to grab a few more things, um, I'll probably like. 60, 70, 80 yards away from me as I'm driving, um, I see a really fast moving, you know, animal thing, whatever it might have been, uh, going across the uh, the cornfield and then over the road and in between some houses. Uh, it was going um, pretty much from north to south, running across this this uh, this cornfield and over the road. But the the thing that I that just took me back is, you know, I, I grew up in Wisconsin. I've seen deer my whole life. I, I know the way that they run, um, you know, just seeing them out here all the time. They jump out in front of you while you're driving. You see them just galloping across the fields all the time. This one didn't run like a like a deer. It was the size of a deer, you know, but I would say a little bit stockier still. And the thing that, that really made me, you know, say like, okay, that that's something completely different than anything I've ever seen. Um, was the fact that it it ran kind of like a dog, but most of the I, I would say girth I guess would be the, the proper word. Um, most of the girth on the animal was more on the lower side, as, as almost as if it was you know using its its four legs to run or for you know, the, the arms and the and the legs to run, but it was definitely more emphasis on the lower part. It just used like the, the front part for like support when they're running, but most of their strength, with most of the strength, would come from like the hind legs, and it it just it glided like right over the road. I don't think it took more than a step on the road, and it's you know it's. It's not a narrow road by any means. It's a, it's a regular size, you know, county road.
0: And how far away from your vehicle was it?
3: Um, yeah, I was. so I was driving. I must have been going about, you know, 40, 45 miles or so, miles an hour or so. And um, it, it must have been about, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards away. So it was it was close enough where I could see what I was like. I knew what I was seeing, but it was far enough where I, was, like, didn't really see the face or anything like that. It was just – it happened so quickly, too, you know, that the thing was running, like – so
0: fast. And some people who have seen it describe it as being more like a bear or more, some other people say more like a wolf and some people say more like a human. Did you have any opinion on what kind of animal it resembled?
3: You know, if I, if I had to put my thumb on it, uh, Ali, I'd say it was the build of a slouched man running kind of like a dog would run. But with the color of, like, a grizzly bear, it was, like, a very tan-looking color. It was definitely hairy, I can tell you that. It was was definitely hairy. It wasn't like a deer where it's got, like, the very short hairs that, you know, it looks like a really smooth coat. It was, like, completely different than that. And
0: then you said it it looked like, even though it was on all fours, that most of the emphasis was on the back legs. Is that correct?
3: Absolutely, yep. Picture uh, kind of like a... this might sound silly like kind of like in in movies you know when they're starting to turn like like a like it's turning into a werewolf and they're like kind of running on their back legs but they're definitely using their front like arms to support them and sort of like almost propel them into the jump and i I don't know if that makes any sense or not. using all fours but like it's i i know it was like more of the strains was on the back legs kind of like it's like a deer, but it wasn't. It wasn't a deer run. I've seen deers run my whole life. I've seen hurt deers run, you know. And and it wasn't anything like it.
0: And did it did it have longer fur or shorter fur? Were you able to make out what you thought the fur pattern looked like on it or the hair?
3: It was definitely longer than, like I said, like a deer. But it was still far enough away where I, I couldn't tell you, like, yeah, it was really hairy or anything like that. It just, it looked the fur looked thicker than like, than like a deer it was almost like almost like a golden retriever type like look to it you know from what I could see it wasn't quite as long but it was kind of like a golden retriever sort of here
0: and then that road where you saw it cross in front of you are there what is the terrain like in that area is it more rural are there woods is it like crops
3: there's, yeah no it's, it's definitely a lot of crops but there's there's different parts around there that, that are heavily wooded, Um, lots that are, so over in here in Walworth County, it's a lot of flatlands, but with the, the amount of, of icebergs that there was, you know, centuries and centuries ago, um, it's carved out quite a bit of, you know, what we like to call kettles around here and and lowlands. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's spots where, you know, it's so, it it gets really low and it gets wet from all the cornfields that kind of just drain there. So they naturally just you know, form protected areas. There's a lot of conservancy land around here and um, the, you know, there's heavily forested areas. Um, another thing to note too is that Palmer Road, the part where I saw it, is going to be, you know, within three to five miles from from the Bray Road over there. So given the, you know, the the length of, or the distance between the, the two places there, it's not at all, um, you know, unreasonable to think that it could be somewhere where it just kind of roams around
0: and then how did you feel after you saw it did you tell anybody did you have to stop your car did it make you nervous
3: oh i've i've never had a feeling like it before i like i was in complete like disbelief of what i saw like you know I've, i've always had a fascination with um with like ufos and aliens and that kind of thing and for me that's that's a no-brainer you know like this is, the universe is so that there's got to be other life right. forms and, and what that's like we have no clue you know um but it's something like this i never in a million years that i think i was gonna like see something like that you know and um i remember like super vividly like it just i was driving my mouth was just open i was speechless for all of like 10, 15 seconds, like kind of process what I just saw. And then I just, in my car by myself, I just let out a scream. I was like, what just happened? Like, what did I just see? I called my sister right away. I was like, dude, you're not going to believe what just happened. And she was just, and and she does not, you know, believe in these kind of things. And she's like, yeah, whatever. You were probably just stoned or something. I'm like, listen, I've got soccer here in in an hour, hour or two. And I've, I've not done anything today to even put me in that kind of mindset. You know, I, I know what I saw. You know, I, I got to my sister's place and I wasn't shaking. I wasn't shaking by any means, but I was shaken up. I was like, like, I, I, I thought it seemed like I had a brand new take on life when it happened. It was like just an instant, like, holy cow. And she lives out in actually pretty close to what I saw. it, So one of the things that that we would do when I was with her is I'd go out and let out the dog at at night put it on the on the lead and let it run around for a little bit and um I was freaked out that night to be out there with the dog you know like I was like I I, I don't want to put him out there cuz what if something happens you know
0: Do you have any theories for what you think the beast of Bray Road is
3: No clue I I have no clue I've you know I've done minimal research when it comes to things like with it and, you know, vampires and, and, and those kind of things, you know, I think that they're, they're stories for a reason, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to put it up there with, you know, with the Bible and Jesus and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not terribly religious. I'm, I'm, I'm very spiritual in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think that there is some truth to the Bible and what happened back then. And, you know, all the, ideologies and beliefs that, that people came up with over the years. There is some truth to that, and much to that effect, you know, there could be a lot of, you know, factual things to things like werewolves and, and vampires and that kind of thing. But what what I saw that day exactly, I I couldn't tell you what it was, but it was most definitely something that is unique and something that I've never seen in any book, or video or anything ever. It was its own thing. The closest I could imagine to what something like that would actually be like, if if I had to guess, like if they told me you have one guess, you would have to get it, like you have to tell us what you saw and bank and your whole life on it. I would say that it's something supernatural, something paranormal, something completely different.
0: Wow, and you have you ever seen it since that day or was that the one and only time you've ever seen it?
3: Nope. That was the one and only time, you know, it was, this was winter. It was late afternoon, right in front of my eyes, you know, a little bit of a distance, but at the speed that this thing was moving. And, you know, when I got to the spot where I think it crossed, I definitely like looked over and slowed down and I didn't see anything. It was like, it was gone. And it ran from, it was running on an empty field across the road between a couple of homes and then back onto open fields. And I I did not see anything by the time that I pulled up closer to it everyone that i talk to they're always like yeah right you don't even know what you're talking about you just saw a deer you saw a dog and it's like no like i there's ali i'm i'm a professional real estate agent here in, in in wisconsin i've been doing it for a long time and i've got you know we i work with builders and clients that that buy multi-million dollar properties and and, and that kind of thing so there's absolutely no reason for me to come up with a story like this and and want to see it through you know i just I know what I saw, and I firmly believe that it was something completely different.
0: So, Natalia, that was Juan Carlos Martinez. I want to give him a shout out. He said that... So I reached out to him on Facebook, um, (laughs) and he said that he read my message to his girlfriend. His girlfriend was like you're not really going to go on the show are you like you didn't see anything you just think you saw something and he was like no i know what i saw i want to talk to someone who's finally going to believe me yeah and so he came on the show so shout out to him he is a real estate agent in the uh elkhorn area so you guys google him and buy a house from him wow if you're in the market
1: um yeah i mean it sounds like he saw something that he can't describe like and like I said, people from Wisconsin, in my experience, are very nice people. There's very no honest. There's no reason yeah. for him to make something up. I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, definitely wasn't a deer. I gleaned that much from right. the conversation.
0: And it's it's described as other people have described it, right? Like walking on its back or running on its back legs yeah. very swiftly. This like brown course fur. It was super fast, so he couldn't really tell too right. many details about it. But It sounds like what everyone else is describing, you know? It's like this werewolf-like creature. He even says that even though it sounds cheesy, it reminded him of those werewolf movies where someone's like morphing right. and, you know, they're running. You know what he's talking about? Like they're running yeah. and then they. Twilight. S- yeah, Twilight. You exactly. like the back of my hand. And he was kind of laughing when he said that. He's like, I know it sounds cheesy, but that's what it reminded right. me of. And so I'm like, shit, this is the wolf man.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, we did an episode on werewolves sort of recently in the Colobarro episode. That's very true. And yeah, it really got me thinking that there's like a secret underground Wolf, um, community. wolf Community, yeah, yeah,
0: well, so I have two more for you. One of the one I'm going to go over right now is super short. There is a woman I spoke with via Facebook who claims to have seen the Beast of Bray Road, but she did not want her name associated with what s- she saw, and she mm-hmm. didn't want her voice associated with it. So she just sent me a paragraph. And I'd like to ask you to read this paragraph
1: sure. to our listeners right now, okay. I was sitting at home in an armchair in the living room reading a book. It was just beginning to get dark and the sun had dipped below my neighbor's roof. My armchair was next to a large bay window that overlooked the street. As I was sitting there in silence while reading, I suddenly sensed that something was watching me. I turned to look around my living room and saw nothing. I went back to reading but still had the eerie feeling. Then. I turned to look out the window, and came face to face with what I can only describe as half-wolf, half-man creature. It had bright yellow eyes that seemed to glow. The first floor of my house was elevated, so you had to climb about six feet of stairs to get to my front door. The creature's head was just above the window seal, so it must have been between six and seven feet. It was snarling at me. Its hands looked human but with large claws gripping the top of the flower box that was attached to my window. It had coarse-looking fur, sort of a blackish-grayish-brown color, and it had patches of missing fur. Its snout was very long and pointy, but the nose at the end of it didn't look like a dog's. It looked like a human nose at the end of a long snout. Its eyes also looked like they had human pupils, even though they were large and yellow. I screamed and dropped my book. My husband came running, but by the time he got to me, the creature had taken off running. I watched it run away into the woods. It ran on its back legs. It ran so fast that it was out of sight by the time my husband came. I was so terrified that we moved shortly after that. I know what I saw. I'm not crazy. What do you think of that one? Fuck, man. That's so that's he. That's why I, I'm not going to have windows in my house if I live in the country, <laughs> because you just if you lived in a place like this, like, fuck, that's so scary. What? I really don't like that.
0: When she typed me that story. So I had to, there was a little bit of a back and forth before she finally sent me what I what you just read. And she was basically saying that this like really shook her.
1: Yeah, it sounds like she's traumatized by it. Yeah,
0: they moved shortly after that. Like it, I mean, it gave me the goosebumps. Yeah, like imagine you're just chilling. In the scariest thing Ugh. is that I
1: had a human nose at the end of its snout. Yes, I really don't like that.
0: That's horrifying. So, and now I have one final firsthand account that I would like to play for you now. So, Kim, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience?
4: Hey everybody, this is Kim Poppy. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And when I was seven years old, I saw a dog man. I grew up here, Central City in Milwaukee. And the the year was like 1972 and I was seven years old. And it was, I don't remember if it was summer, but it was definitely warm out and I wasn't in school. So it could have even been a weekend, but I was in the backyard and my mom was in the yard. And um, there was all this yelling and and people shouting. And of course, since it's 1972, everybody, like everybody runs to the front yard to see what all the yelling is. So there were at least close to a dozen neighbors come out front to see what's going on. And across the street, we were second house from the corner facing east. Across the street in the corner house, which was a duplex, um, there's a lady standing on her on her front porch, and she has her child in front of her, maybe like four or five or six, a little kid, and she's protecting him with her arms, and she's yelling, "Go away! Get away! Go! Go!" and you yelling for help and stuff, and all these neighbors are watching as an animal goes across her front lawn. Now. From my point of view, I saw the animal from the left side of her house to the right side of her house, and then the animal went around the corner, which was Wright Street, and uh, on her lawn still, I lost view of it as, as it cornered around the house. So myself and 10 or 12 other neighbors, which were mostly adults, if I recall, saw, I don't know, it, it kind of, for my whole life, I convinced myself that I saw some sort of baboon, like a gelda baboon or something. Um this creature was maybe four feet tall and then judging the height by where it came up to on her porch railing. So it wasn't real big. It it kind of well it walked on two legs, it had sort of a bushyish tail. It held its front paws kind of out in front of it, kind of bent, like it's hard to explain. Like if you walk like a dinosaur, you know, you bend your arms in front of you. It had a long snout, and it had um, pointy ears, not on the sides of its head, but on the top of its head. Um, so we watched it, and it seemed skittish or, or kind of scared, and it, it walked kind of funny across the front lawn. It had a weird gait. And, you know, she kept yelling, and then the animal went around the corner and went away. Now, my sighting, a friend of mine many years ago hooked me up with a mutual friend named Linda Godfrey. She's the author, investigator, also from Wisconsin. And she was working on her first book, The Beast of Bray Road. And I spoke with Linda about it over the phone, like I'm talking to you now. And she asked me what I had seen, and I told her. And she said, Other people have seen what you have seen, which was amazing to me. All my life, I'd never met anyone else who had seen this, you know, except for my mom. And while I was growing up, um, I found out many years later, of course, that my mother and all the adult neighbors had agreed to not talk about it, and that they would say that if anyone asked, they saw a a dog with rabies. It wasn't a dog, and it definitely didn't have rabies to the best of my knowledge, but they didn't know how else to explain it. So to wrap your head around something that's unexplainable, you you pen a term, you throw something on it. I saw a dog with rabies. We all saw it. End of discussion. And nobody talked about it. My mother didn't like talking about it. And she was kind of disturbed by it. Now, okay, so I'm doing this thing with Linda, and I'm talking to her, and I'm telling her about it, and my sighting was one of the first daytime sightings to come forward that she wrote about in her book. Many years later after that, a TV show called um, Monster Quest is on television, and it's real popular. And Linda had contacted me and said, "Um, Kim, you want to be on a TV show? I was like, yeah, I want to be on a TV show. What kind of question is that? She said, well, they want to talk to you about your dogman sighting." So I went on and I told them what I'm telling you now and we drove around the car a little bit and I showed them where i had seen it here in the city and I did see it in Milwaukee on 50th and right like anybody could drive there today you could see the house I grew up in and you could see the house where it went across the lawn and people have asked me you know why do you think it was in the middle of the city just walking down the street? Well Linda and I have discussed this and a lot of the dogman sightings coincide with bodies of water. And if you look at the area of 50th and right, it is literally surrounded in all four sides by water. There's Menominee River Parkway. There's the Milwaukee River. There's the Parkway to the north and then you know Lake Michigan to the east. And for an animal, a mile, two miles, that's nothing. They can cover that ground in like a short amount of time. So we were basically surrounded by water. And if it's true and these animals, you know, follow waterways or stick close to water, that would make perfect sense. And because it was only, you know, 4 feet tall, we surmised that it was a juvenile. That would bring us to the conclusion that this is an animal. But mm, further investigations into it, you know, a little bit more knowledge. Um, Native Americans have have had this creature in their belief system for millennia, and they think it's a water spirit. And is it a spirit? Is it an interdimensional creature? You know, all these things remain to be answered, all these questions. But what I saw was a, a flesh and blood creature. It, it didn't seem like a ghost. It didn't seem scary. Now, when I did the Monster Quest episode, they had asked me, what do the legs look like? You know, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what its feet looked like. I couldn't tell you if it was a male or female. I went under hypnosis for Monster Quest, And while I was under hypnosis, the hypnotist, un- unfortunately for me, I go under hypnosis, like in an instant, boom, you know, you could ask me to bark like a dog or quack like a chicken or a duck or whatever, and I would totally do it. It's so unfortunate how easily I'm hypnotized. Under hypnosis, um, I did not remember what the leg looked like. I must have not really looked at them. But I specifically remembered my mother turning, looking at me and, and swearing, which you know, she did all the time, get in the house, get in the blank house, and, and yelling at me and pointing. And, of course, it, I'm sure she was thinking it was for my safety. I did not go in the house. But under hypnosis, I started crying. And, you know, when I think back about it, you know, here's your mom yelling at you and you don't know why and she's telling you to get in the house. You know, if there were a tornado or something and she would have said, get in the house, I would sit there with my mouth open and not gone in the house either, I'm sure. But that's what I remembered under hypnosis. Oh, and I made ridiculous faces. They said, well, what what kind of teeth did it have? What did it look like? And I actually, under hypnosis, and this was on video, I went, grrr, (laughs) grrr. I made, like, (laughs) monster teeth and monster fingers like grrr. I also did a sketch of what I thought it looked like. And I asked that that not be put into Monster Quest, me making grrr sounds, and my sketch. Because my sketch came out so, I don't know, cartoony. I'm like, that is not what it looked like. It couldn't have looked like that. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm not a great artist or anything, but it was, it was, it wasn't what I want people to think that I saw, if you know what I mean.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
4: Lauren Coleman, he's also an investigator and author, uh, paranormal. He wrote a book, and in, in one of his books, he talks about devil monkeys. And devil monkeys have been seen in the United States since um, the Europeans came to the United States. And what they think they see are various size monkey type creatures that hop around in the trees. And for the longest time after I read about that, oh, no, now I think I might have seen a devil monkey. You know, it kind of matches the description. It's got big pointy ears, got an ocean tail, it's got a long snout. And then more and more, this is sounding like a baboon. Okay, that's fine. Until so other witnesses of Linda's came forward. And as soon as she published her books, they just were coming out of the woodwork. People were coming forward and saying, I saw this hunting, I saw this camping, you know, that it's six, seven feet tall. And I'm like, Well what I saw was little, so we concluded it was a juvenile. But a devil monkey is not six or seven feet tall. You know, it's monkey size, it's like three feet, four feet tall, whatever. Um, little ones too. People see these little monkey things. And I'm always questioning is it misidentification? Are they really seeing flying squirrels or something? But these creatures are much, much bigger than a small flying squirrel. And people who live in the woods, they know what the animals look like around them. They know what you know a flying squirrel looks like. They they know all these things are common to them. What what I saw, I've never seen anything that completely matches it. What I saw doesn't match anything that anyone's come forward with, no videos, nothing like that. I've never seen anything else similar except for maybe a Gelda baboon. And of course, those are really bushy. What I saw had had um, shortish fur. It didn't have long, like, means and stuff the way baboons have.
0: And what color was the
4: fur? It was like a mix of um, black and gray and brown. It was very nondistinct, the the you know, like, like a raccoon, not like a German Shepherd either. If from across the street, it was brown and black and gray, like kind of. I can't put a color on it. How's that? It's hard for me. Okay, because I was seven years old and I'm fifty something now. And when I think back, I'm like, God, did I dream it? You know, but but it had tormented me for my for most of my life until my adulthood, until I met Linda. It had always tormented me. What did I see? So you convince yourself, you see a specific thing that you can wrap your head around, you know? But since I was about seven years old, too, I've been able to see ghosts. I've seen little people. I've seen UFOs. And I've come to the conclusion now as an adult, you don't need to wrap your head around it and have a perfect explanation for everything. There are some things that we'll never have an explanation for, and you you should really get comfortable with that. You make yourself crazy otherwise.
0: And did you or your mom or any of your neighbors ever discuss what you saw, you know, years no. after the fact? No. Mom
4: Mom discussed it with some of the neighbors, and they had all concluded they weren't going to talk about it and that it was just a dog, some weird dog with rabies. Yeah, I know. It's like when when people can't explain something, they're quick to to throw something else on it and brush it under the rug. You know, don't talk about it. We don't know what it was. Let it go.
0: So at this point, have you made peace with what you saw? Like you said, now you're more comfortable with the fact that you may never be able to explain it. Oh, definitely. I have seen so many other things since then. You know, like I said, I'm
4: 50 something now and I was seven then. And since that time, I have seen ball lightning and UFOs and broad daylight and a big animal swimming in Lake Michigan, it, it's kind of, if you if you just open your eyes and look, you see stuff. And most people go through life with their daily blinders on. I got to go to the store. I got to feed the kids. I got to mow the lawn, you know, um, mundane stuff. They don't see what's really going on around, around them. On Facebook, I have a Wisconsin insects page. Because wherever I go, I see some really cool insects, butterfly, spider, and I'm always taking photos of these things. And people are like, well, I've never seen one of those in the city. And I say, you're just not looking. It means something to say, slow down and smell the flowers.
0: You know, you just, you got to right. get
4: outside of your, your comfortable box. And all of a sudden, all this stuff starts to present itself.
0: Well, I think that's the perfect place to in this interview, unless you had anything else that you wanted to say that you didn't already get a chance to say? I do. If you're out there and you think
4: you've seen something, a Bigfoot, a dogman, a little person, something unexplainable, something you've never seen before, come forward to the Fortean community and tell someone online. Tell someone, they'll call you, they'll talk to you about it. You're not alone. It's not weird. It's part of nature and we all need to be more comfortable with telling folks about the stuff that we've seen. If we're going to explain it eventually, the only way to do so is by talking about it.
1: So what did you think of that? Um, I really like how she was talking about if you just go looking for something you might find it,
0: you know? I thought it was kind of inspirational.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was like weirdly inspirational. I feel like I just wanna go on a hunt now for unknown creatures and cryptids. Yeah. And just disappear out into the 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 deepest part of the ocean or something.
0: Right, right. And just like discover something that hasn't been discovered before. And I mean There's basically normally at the end we talk about theories. There's not really any theories to this. I mean, the theories are either that people are mistaking a creature that is known. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're seeing this wolf that has mange or this bear that has mange and they're thinking that it's
1: this. That's there's no theories to this. We this is a mystery. We have to find out why did this wolf guy get here? What does he have to do with Jesus? Is it a demon? <laughs> Why is what's going on? You know, right. I kind of feel like because there's this Native American lore that's there and we talked about recently on the podcast about uh skinwalkers and Wendigos, like what if it's one of those? Because it's it's like this man-like creature that's also a wolf. Yeah, you know? there's definitely I didn't go super deep
0: into the Native American lore side just because I didn't have enough time. But there's definitely tons of legends about different types of like man-wolf hybrids. There's the wind windigo. There's yeah. tons of different things. Um, the skeptic side, like I said, people really think it's a bear with mange. And so I just wanted to show you a picture of what a bear with mange looks like. I don't think it looks like a man, but perhaps oh, I'm wow. insane.
1: Oh, that's, that, well, that's also very scary, I will say. Just the bear with the yeah. an looks very scary. It
0: looks scary, but do you think it could be mistaken for a wolfman?
1: No, because I think, I think I know the gait of a bear, and if I saw a bear, like, running away, I would know that was a bear. You right,
0: know? and also if you see a bear on its back legs, it's not the most, like graceful creature I mean there's I've seen videos of like a bear wanders onto a campsite on its back legs and it's like digging through someone's car or something they can't just like leap across a
1: freeway can you do me a favor and just make the first photo from this photo dump this picture of a bear with mange and then just like put underneath it like this is a bear with mange (laughs) because this photo honestly is terrifying but I also like there's so many people who would just say that's a bear with mange and then you're also just already saying that, yeah right. Everyone can just leave a comment chain of like, "That's a bear with mange." Also, I want to
0: tell you what I think. I think that it's a space blanket.
1: Oh right, <laughs> exactly. It's a NASA cover-up, right? If you guys have
0: listened to episode sixty-seven, mm-hmm. you already know what's up. Everything's a space blanket. <laughs>
1: what a great episode, Alyssa. Thank you. What are your final thoughts? <sighs> I mean, I don't... A lot of times when you tell me a story, there's, like, something for me to pick apart and something for me to, um, you know, try to, like, a mystery to try to figure out here. And this one, I feel like the mystery is all in what that wolf man, whatever his name is, said about that Jesus story. Like, if he only has one time to talk to one person and he only says one word... Right. It's got to be super significant. Like, someone needs to... Nick Cage... Uh, Declaration of Independence that, like, I don't know, figure out what that means. Connect the dots.
0: Tell us what you guys think in the comments below. You can also comment on the photo dump for this episode on Instagram. Just really quickly going to read my sources and then I'm going to ask Natalia for her sign-off. Okay. So my sources for this episode are isthmus.com, an article by Lindsay Anderson entitled Haunted Wisconsin, The Bray Road Beast Tracks a Wolf-Like Creature Through Walworth County. Also, and Anomalien.com, an article by Anom- Anomalien.com, published in 2018, entitled Werewolf Sightings, The Beast of Bray Road. Also, LegendsofAmerica.com, an article entitled The Beast of Bray Road, Wisconsin. Also, OnlyInYourState.com, an article by Danielle Rienzo entitled Allegedly Home to an Unidentified Beast, Bray Road in Wisconsin is One Street You'll Want to Avoid. At TheLakeMagazine.com, the Potawatomi at Geneva Lake. An article posted to hauntedwisconsin.com called Grimley Manor, Lake Geneva. Um, Maxwellmansion1856.com has a section on the history of their mansion. KenoshaNews.com, an article entitled Paranormal Researchers Report Hauntings Inside Lake Geneva's Historic Maxwell Mansion. Uh, LisaSchmelz.com, an article entitled Mysteries of the Mind. AmericanGhostWalks.com, an article entitled Lake Geneva Ghost: The Beast of Bray Road. AmericanGhostWalks.com again, Havenwood Apartments and the Ghosts of Oakwood Sanitarium. BestofLakeGeneva.com, The Insane Asylum of Lake Geneva Discussion at the Lake Geneva Library. And finally, hhhh History.com, which is short for Heroes, Heroines, and History.com, The Sanitariums of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin by Pamela S. Myers. Natalia, would you like to do our sign-off
1: for this episode? Sure. Um, BRB, gotta go do a interview with someone I met on Facebook about my cryptid sighting on their paranormal podcast. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) Special shout out to the people that I interviewed for this.